ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very latest episode of the Finger Guns podcast. This is episode nine, would you believe? We're nearly at double figures. So welcome. I am your host, Roscoe Kennison, and I'm joined by Mr. Greg Hicks. Evening. And making his valiant return to the Finger Guns podcast after going on holiday like some kind of animal, Mr. Sean Davies. Hola. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm, yes, yes. I saw a, a plethora of bad tattoos, spoke Spanish very badly, and now I've come back to terrorize you once again. Oh, thank God. wasn't the same without you. It was. I, I listened and laughed a lot <laughs> last week, so <laughs> I it laughed was. a lot. So. It was exactly the same, just more Paul ranting. Yeah. No, no Paul to rant against this week, though. No, oh. Paul unfortunately isn't joining us. Uh, but it's so much fun to wind him up. It is. <laughs> you it just is. throw something at him that he doesn't like, and he will tell you. <laughs> a lot of effing and blinding, and we love you, Paul. It's great. <laughs> yeah, one day we'll have a, uh, a big Transformers episode, and you can hear it in its full form. It's oh dear me, quite something. That will be one um, R-rated podcast. <laughs> I actually, I actually really like the Transformers films. I don't. I just want him to be listening to this tomorrow, and then <laughs> I want to, I want to just hear someone going, "Fuck!" From London all the way over here. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that will be audible. Uh, good old Paul. We'll catch him next week, hopefully. So we're going to start this week with something a bit different. Normally we go what we've been playing this week, but we're going to jump in with our main topic actually this week, and we're going to discuss our favourite games so far this year. So myself. Greg and Sean have picked up to three games released from January the 1st, 2019, um, that we think could be in contention for Game of the Year at the end of this year. All right, and first up is Mr. Sean Davies. Okay, so I've not played that many good games this year. I've played some, um, a massive amount of crap, to be honest. But <laughs> the three games that really stood out for me are Apex Legends, because of obvious reasons, it resurrecting a genre which I thought was on, on the teetering of going into utter doldrums of just being Fortnite forever. And we got a, a real good competitor there. Um, Mortal Kombat 11, which is easily the best game I've played this year because it really is the best and most accessible fighter I've played in a long time. I'm still, I, I play uneasy a lot. I plan hard sometimes when I want to challenge but it's so easy to get into even for me who hasn't played like these kind of games for a very long time and the third game is a bit of a cheat because it first came out in 2017 it released on the ps4 um earlier this year and that's wonder song which is one of yeah, the yes. yeah it, it it's a game about a bard that um is not really the hero of his own story and it's um, one of the most well-told, mechanically sound, amazing, de amazingly designed games I have ever played. There was just a couple of bugs, which means I didn't give it a 10 out of 10, because I'm really cruel like that. But it's really unusual, really bold art style. One of, the, one of my favourite games I've played in a very long time. So um, those are my three picks, really. Cool. What do you think it is about Apex Legends that's keeping people playing aside from the the Royale aspect and how it's... Is it doing anything majorly different from Fortnite, do you think, as as the, the seasons progress? I think that what it's doing differently is is that, that because it isn't constantly having 
content for people to um, rejig and having to re um, relearn and adapt to. People are making up their own meta. So people are now, so for example, you know, when I first started, I would always drop in a certain location because I knew it was good for me. And then eventually that started not to become good for me because more people are landing there. So like the game is building its own kind of community meta game rather than having to adapt to changes like Fortnite is. Now, Fortnite's success is built on those changes because people want fresh, people want lots and lots of content over and over again. And that's that's great. But Apex Legends is, and you know they they've said that they aren't going to do content like Fortnite because they don't want to kill their developers, which Epic don't really care about too much by the sounds of it. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if, if if you are listening to this. There's a brilliant piece on Kotaku about um, the working conditions at Epic um, during Fortnite's kind of expansion from a little side project in Battle Royale to now and how people are going insane with the work hours. But yeah, Apex Legends is is a very, very good shooter and a very, very good Battle Royale game and kind of mixed all the good stuff about Call of Duty and Titanfall with the good stuff about Fortnite without getting any of the crap that people don't like about Fortnite. So for me, it, it was really refreshing, um, more so than like uh, Ring, the Ring of Fire from Battlefield or... Because the problem with the Ring of Fire uh, mode for me is the fact that you die really quickly. Um, whereas at Apex, you've you've always got a chance. Like mm-hmm. that's you know, even if you somebody stumbles into you behind like behind you, you know, you, you've always got a chance. Whereas in, I don't find that in Battlefield Five. And but Black Ops Four, do you know what? I really like that mode when it first came out. There was it Black Blackout. Blackout, yeah. Um, but just to, to, like eventually. Um, it kind of just became really stale and I preferred the actual multiplayer modes. So I think Apex Legends, like the, the, it's not really an evolution. It's kind of standing on the shoulders of giants in order to create a battle royale game that I find incredibly enjoyable, despite the fact that I flit in and out of it. And I don't really need to be keeping up to date with new content, new weapons, all this kind of stuff. They drop things occasionally, but it's not something completely game changing like Fortnite does. Yeah. So for me, I think it's like, the the older person's battle royale game and i am an older person i am (laughs) oap gamer now so yeah that's why i like it so much did you get the battle pass for apex legends yes no i haven't no okay i i wanted to but the thing is because we review games you don't really get to dedicate enough time to really getting the most out of it and i probably will for the next one yeah nice we need to jump on it again soon it's been a while yeah, we do. Yeah, well. I think it's got to a point now where new people will just get slaughtered if they try and jump in. I yeah. think people people well, have now got good enough that it, it's going to be difficult for new people to to play it. No, I've played, played it. I, like Greg. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I think the thing is with with um, Apex Legends is because it's so similar to because it carries a lot of the same DNA as as Call of Duty and Titanfall. I think if you've ever played a um, Activision esque um, shooter, you're going to get on with it regardless of... And the thing is, a lot of it is luck. You know, you can land and some somebody could take your weapon and, you know, you can end up being weaponless for like five minutes just running around trying to find something and your teammates are like, there's a Mozambique over here and you're like, thanks, buddy. But like, you know, it's 
it's one of those games where anybody can have a good time with it, even if you're not winning. And yeah, that that's great by my eyes. Awesome. So that's Apex Legends, Mortal Kombat 11, and Wonder Song, which yes. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna let go. I think. Thanks. Didn't, didn't officially come out this year, but sorry, I'll let it go. Whatever. Cheers. That's all right. <laughs> uh, Greg. Yes, my three. Right. Okay. Probably surprising no one. First one is going to be Resident Evil 2. Wow. Yeah, I gave it a 10 out of 10. Um, for me, because it just... Uh, it's a different game to the first one, but it, it just has that that wow factor of when I played Resident Evil 2 20 years ago. Um, the over-the-shoulder mechanics, the graphics, and now this is going to sound really sad. I haven't actually told you guys this yet. So I'm telling you now. I actually traded my Xbox copy in to get a PS4 copy so I could play it on my Pro on my new TV to see the difference in, in how good it is. Because I haven't got an hero. Xbox One X. You're a hero. <laughs> um, wow. Imagine how good Sekiro would look. Yeah. I did actually get to play that before <laughs> I got rid of it. Which leads me to my second favorite game of the year, despite trading it in the last boss, is Sekiro. Because as a game, it's fantastic. Uh, it's got the same appeal to me that Bloodborne had over the Dark Souls games. Dark Souls, they're good. I mean, um, the wishy-washy fantasy is a bit flat on me, but when they branch off and do other things like Bloodborne, Sekiro, I think they're fantastic. I was really enjoying the world of Sekiro. I absolutely loved it. Uh, the combat, when you get into it, is great. The story is, again, much like the others, you have to dig into it. And there's a bit more narrative this time around, but you have to like sort of seek it out a bit more, take on the optional bosses. Loads doing it. It's just a shame that I got frustrated and traded it in. And like Paul said, in the other week, I probably will end up buying it again at some point. If they allow, uh, if they release any DLC for it, I'm sure I'll uh, jump back on that. And my third game, sort of coming out of left field a bit, I was pleasantly surprised by this, and I still think Paul should have reviewed it higher. Uh, World War Z. Nice. I, haven't, I haven't, I haven't put as much time into it as I should. Uh, but you know, I'm playing more Days Gone, but I don't want to call Days Gone like a game of the year contender yet, a because I'm not that far in it. And I don't know, it's it's good, but what was it? I think I don't know if it will it will stand the test of time. It might be one of those games that just drops off its player base and no one plays it. But I was really surprised with how good it is. Uh, I know we've only played it once on co-op, and I've jumped in a few times with other people that don't want to communicate. But I really enjoyed it. I need to really get back into it and actually stick some hours into it. But I said that last week about Monster Hunter, so you know what do I know? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> It's a game that we all enjoyed. Yeah, I think I think even if we don't stream it or we do stream it, we need to just on a random night say, "Hey, everybody, want to chuck an hour into killing some zombies?" Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because the oh, emphasis, yeah. un- unlike Left 4 Dead, is pick up and play. You don't level up anything. You can just jump into any level, and you've all got the same stats and health and whatnot. Classes, uh, you can level up and grind things get better stats, and then you can start taking on the higher difficulties of missions. And I, I kind of want to break into that a bit more. So I'm going to say, I mean, I might change my mind by the end of the year, but yeah, I think that's one of my early contenders for most surprising good game, because I thought it was going to be a crappy knockoff, because I didn't like the film. I thought the film was an absolute bag of ass. And I don't really like running zombies and things. Running zombies to me just is a fallacy. Like, freshly bitten people that have turned, fine. But if they're, like, decrepit and dying and they've got rigor mortis and bones are creaking and shit, they wouldn't be able to run. It's fall apart. <laughs> I and... mean, it was, it was the, the writing was on the wall that World War Z shouldn't have been as good as it was. 
Yeah. I think. There was no, there was nothing that was kind of like giving us any intention that this game was going to be worth picking up. Because we had, you know, we were, we were burnt by Earthfall and we were burnt by, I, I didn't play it, but Overkill's The Walking Dead, I think, had a similar vein to it. And I think that's been cancelled now, I believe. And um, Generation Zero. Yes, that, that's the one. Oh my God. Oof, oh my yeah. God. So oh, was I was. This year? Jesus, uh, I believe it was, yeah. I was looking through my reviews the other day, my review archive, and I was like, oh, yeah, I did review that. It was shocking. So, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by World War Z, and I, I would like to crack on with it a bit more. So that's my three. Zombies, zombies, folklore. <laughs> zombies, zombies, folklore. Oh, that would have been such a great title for this, for this episode. Never mind. <laughs> let it go. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favourite out of those three? Oh, Resident Evil 2, obviously. Is it because is it you beat the last boss on that one? Yes, yeah. I'm playing through it again with the four pound weapons back, so I can cheese my way through it. I've done my I've done my jump scares and limit ammo. I'm just cruising through now. I've still got the fourth survivor and the ghost survivors to do. Yeah, it's it's good. I'm I'm gonna crack on with it. So, how about yourself, Ross? What are your three for the year so far? Uh, well, I don't think mine are gonna be all that surprising. If you look at my reviews, I get very overexcited about games that I love. The first one is Ape Out. Ah, yes which um, is available on Switch and PC um, from Devolver. And it's just fucking awesome. I, it's a game that I still think about now. I mean, beating that game was akin to, you know, having a child for me. It was just such an absolutely massive relief. And it was such a... What, a lot of blood and carnage? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, shooting a lot of um, soldiers and stuff, you know. The usual, the usual birth. And... I remember playing it for the first time um, when we were fortunate enough to get code for it. And as soon as that game starts, you're sucked in. You have to play it to the end because it doesn't get any easier. And it's probably the most difficult game I've ever completed because I'm, you know, I don't like games that are too massively difficult because I just put them down because I'm not very good at video games. But Ape Out was something that I wanted to see like through to the bitter end, and it doesn't stop being entertaining. It's almost the same thing over and over and over again. But somehow they've they've managed to make it really really fun because you are just a giant ass gorilla throwing people around and shooting them in the face, and the visual style and the music everything about it just culminates into something that's really quite quite generational for me. I think it's one of my favorite games of this entire generation. To be honest, it, it just it lives and breathes fun and excitement, and I don't think many other games can capture, which is something that's so immediate and so so obvious in what it's doing. You know, it's not hiding any kind of real mechanics it's just all there on the surface and it's just really really fun and i think i gave it a 10 i can't remember i gave it something ridiculous anyway i think my tagline for it was the greatest game of all time probably yes which that was the tagline. Um, oh my yeah. god got so many people salty oh, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> how can this game be the best game of all time if i've never heard of it and then like <laughs> all the rest of the reviews were like nine out of ten ten out of ten nine out of ten and the guy was like Oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I was being um, hyperbolic, but it was just—it's just so much fun. When I put it down, it's like, yeah, that's the best game ever made. Love it, greatest thing I've ever played in my entire life. And that was only because I—I I beat it, and I was really proud of myself that I beat it, and I got very overexcited. Um, I stand by the score, but the tagline—I can probably give or take. I just got very excited once the review uh, began. So yeah, APAL is definitely up there for me. Also, I'm going to go for a Plague Tale. Uh, which is a game that has only been out for a week, but um, I've been fortunate enough to have it for a little while. And I think it's my favorite narrative-driven game since The Last of Us. I really do. 
I love the story between um, Amicia and Hugo, and it reminds me a lot of The Last of Us. You can tell it, it The Last of Us influences all over this thing, and it's just a beautiful story, and it's her- fucking horrific as well at the same time. I think I mentioned in my review that that opening scene, which kind of leads you into the world, nearly just stopped me from playing the game because I didn't want to see what happened after that. It was so shocking, and I wasn't expecting it at all. It was so brutal that I... I was like, I can't do this. I need to give it to someone else to play because that's going to just haunt me for the rest of the experience. And I'm so glad I didn't because <laughs> I really thoroughly loved it from from beginning to end. It's about, I would say, about seven or eight hours long. It's not a massively long story, but it's very well told. It doesn't outstay its welcome in that, in that sense. Being able to protect Hugo all the way through is a real sense of accomplishment, I think, because what these two go through is just horrific from beginning to end. And I love their story. I love the way that Amicia isn't isn't hugely close with Hugo at the very beginning because of how Hugo is looked after by their mum and Amicia is very much with their dad. And so they're not really together all that much. And yet they have to be forced together because of a horrible situation. And how their relationship evolves over the, the series of the game is just it's just phenomenal. And I really, really hope it does well because it's. I really, really hope that there's more to come from this series because I really worry that it's going to get a little bit lost in the major game releases You're coming out on the same day as Rage 2 and with like big games that are incoming. It needs to be played by people because it's it's a very special game. I, I would totally agree with that. Um, have, you, have you started it? I'm, I I started it this morning. Um, I've got the kids, so I've got them cereal. They, they wanted to go watch some YouTube, so they went upstairs and I just put on chapter one just to see what, what the crack was. Katie, my wife, came in. She sat down, started playing through chapter one, and I got to the part that you were referring to, and I said, "I'm going to, I'm going to turn this off." Obviously, it's like not something I should be playing during the day with you here. You know, so, so she's like, <laughs> "No, carry on playing, carry on playing." So, like, and she was, I, I've never seen my wife get so attached to a game like this, and she's not even playing it. Like, so at parts, I'm walking around in the dark with a torch. And there are no there are no dangers around, but she's like, stay close to the light, just stay close to the light. And she's like <laughs> telling me what to do. It's like it is a gripping game, a really well told, very well designed game. I think I'm at the end of chapter five. Um, wow. So yeah, I've just kind of blitzed that today because um, it was just I completely agree with you. It's one of those things that you really have to play because it's so well told. And if I, I'd have probably finished it today, it probably would have been a my list. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's good. So, great, go and get it. You'll love it. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, on, it's on the list. It's on the list. Good, good. And uh, finally, uh, Katana Zero, because that game is absolutely stunning. I don't really know what else to say about it. You can read my review up on Thinger Guns. Um, also, my review for APAL and A Plague Tale. And. Uh, Sorry, go on. I'd say, God, I'd love to play it. Oh, man, I know you would. I know you would. Sean can play it. He's got a PC. He can play it on that. Uh, I He's can. got a Switch as well now, hasn't he? Yeah, but we had that argument that we can't put Katana Zero on the uh, the kid Switch, unfortunately. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, I cannot put anything violent on the kid Switch because my kids have a tendency to put anything on. So, like, today... My my kids were on Days Gone, so I went to make some spaghetti bolognese and came back and Quinn had switched Days Gone on. So... 
like he's four he doesn't know what he's doing he's just clicking buttons but there you are he's just like oh so what what okay i could not do those things as soon as it allows you to have like profiles where you can't enter then yeah i'll probably do that he was trying to get onto ghostbusters the game because he is a massive infatuation with slimer right now right (laughs) (laughs) for for his birthday he had a a remote control slimer and um, Slimer Playmobil, he's just completely obsessed with it. So he's trying to go out to Ghostbusters and he clicked the wrong button. But decided to try and play it anyway. You know, give it a go. Why not? Yeah, why not? You might love it. <laughs> you never know. What a fun story Days Gone is for a child. <laughs> um, please, if you are listening to this, I stopped him from playing anything past the first <laughs> menu. Okay? <laughs> you heard this podcast. we got to talk to this guy. Hey, somebody's look at the door. Two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't take me away. It's like a DS, DSS is set outside. Like, ooh, got him. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, I mean, Katana Zero is my last one. It's the mo- one of the most original games I've played in years. It's full of fist bump, amazing moments. It's tough as balls. At least I found it tough as balls anyway. Um, it allows you to replay it over and over again. It's beautiful. The, co- the color, the neon, you know, it just jumps off the switch screen. It's just full of joy and wonder. And it's really violent. And it's you feel like... You feel so powerful when you uh, finally beat a level. And, uh, you know, I love games that do that, that make you feel rewarded at the end of a level, at the end of a tough level. So, uh, yeah, Katana Zero is definitely up there uh, for me at the moment. And those are my three. Bravo. I would tell you what pools are, but he hasn't given me any. So, I don't know if he's Paul enjoying doesn't the game. Like games. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like games. Right, so that's Mortal Kombat 11, Resident Evil 2, Wonder Song. World War Z. What was your other one, Sean? Apex Legends. Apex Legends. Sekiro. Sekiro. Yes. Okay, good. I was listening, honest. I just forgot. And Plague. I'm just trying to make a list so we can refer to it again someday. Plague's Tale, which is available now on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Go out and play it and support it because it's fantastic. Uh, Katana Zero and Ape Out. That's not a bad list, gents. Yeah. Not a bad list at all. I'm really happy through the year. So. Fingers crossed, it just gets better. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff coming up at the end of this year, isn't there? Yeah, we're getting towards the end of the year, the console generation, so everyone's kind of pumping out the games now. Yeah, I mean we've got uh, Blood and Truth is out in well less than two weeks now. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I believe that'll probably make it on your list if the final product is as good as the uh, the demo. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that demo was was eye opening to what VR can do. So very looking, very much looking forward to seeing what the final product looks like. Fantastic. Right, so those are our games of the year so far. If you have any of your own that we haven't mentioned, do let us know, and uh, we'll try and collate a, a list of really great games. Uh, 2019 has been excellent so far, uh, so we're hoping it will just continue because great games are always a great thing. So we're going to crack on with the return of the Sean Davies quiz, which we missed out on last week, but now he's back, ready to test our metal once again. Can someone dethrone me? Probably not, but we'll see what happens. It's up to Greg this week. Sure, okay. Let's go. <laughs> oh crap, it literally is like a head-to-head, isn't it? Yeah. Right, are you ready? Welcome to the Finger Gun Trivia Challenge themed mode. Yeah. So, yes, this week's quiz is all about Xbox. Um, you uh, not, not those. Yeah. <laughs> You would not believe how difficult it is to do a quiz on Xbox because you go like, 
How many good exclusive games are there? Trick question. None. <laughs> How many Xbox oh, ones have been get... sold? <laughs> it's like, I don't About know. three. <laughs> Microsoft will only tell us how many headshots there were in Halo last week. Like that's the. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, 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 I spent four hours doing this quiz, and um, I hope you enjoy it. But yes, welcome to the quiz. Ten questions. Let's do it. You got your pen and paper ready? Yes. Oh yes. Um, if you've not participated in the quiz before, and you're listening at home. Um, I will read the questions now and give the answers later. Um, just keep a record of the answers and then we'll see how you get on. Do let us know if you do play along how many you get right. So, question one. Who is currently the head of the Xbox division at Microsoft? So, uh -huh. question one. <laughs> question one. Who is currently the head of the Xbox division at Microsoft? Boom. Okay, question two. What was the very first Xbox Live arcade game? Hmm. I don't know. Okay, question two. What was the very first Xbox Live arcade game? Okay. Oh, I think I do know. Maybe you do know. Maybe you don't, because I'm not going to give you any, any hints, but yeah. Okay, question three. Which video game character can be found etched onto the circuit board within each and every single Xbox One X? Okay, now. I wonder if it's four hours. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be the lead from Grab by the Ghoulies, is it? Well, it's obviously not if you can't remember the name of the lead from Grab by the Ghoulies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so question three was, which video game character can be found etched onto the circuit board within each Xbox One X? Okay, question four. In 2014, Microsoft bought the rights to the Gears of War IP. Who did they buy them from? Nice easy one for you. Nice easy one. Yeah. Gears 5 is out soon, isn't it? Or this year or something. Who knows? <laughs> okay, question four. In 2014, Microsoft bought the rights to the Gears of War IP. Who did they buy them from? Okay, question five. What, what was the code name for the Xbox 360 during development? Uh, the, there was a beep over your uh, voice then. Do you want to do that one again? Yes, I'll do that one again. Okay. So, question five. What was the code name for the Xbox 360 during development? So question five, what was the code name for the Xbox 360 during development? Oh, crikey. <laughs> it wasn't that. It wasn't the one I'm thinking of because that's for this one. Uh... 
Okay. Question six. What was the best-selling game for the Xbox 360? And before you ask, Roscoe, yes, I am including Packins. Including what? Packins. Fuck's sake. Packins? Oh, so it counts for Xbox, but not for Wii, is what you're saying? Yes. Well, it did for the Wii. You're still wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So... Question six, what was the best-selling game for the Xbox 360? And that includes Packins. Oh, bundled games. Got you. Right. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Fucking Northerners. Jesus. Um, no, that's not Northern. That's American. Sorry. I, I would call them bundled, but um, apparently you're not supposed to say that anymore. Because bundles apparently done at retail where Packins are with the package. Who knew? Yeah, I can kind of see that, but at the same time, fuck it. I'm going to call them bundles. Yeah, Bundled yeah. in games. That was what I knew them as. Here we go, just for you, Greg. What was the best selling game on the Xbox 360? Included bundled games. Hey. There you go. Okay, question seven. <laughs> Pettiness rules. <laughs> <laughs> question seven. The launch controller for the original Xbox console had two nicknames. Name one of them. The launch controller for the original Xbox. Yes. Gotcha. I mean, all good. Question seven. The launch controller for the original Xbox had two nicknames. Name one of them. They've uh, they remade it, haven't they? Yes, uh, they have. Confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I played the original Halo 3 with this thing. It was uh, it was a moment in time. I'll say that. I, I remember when we had one of the S's traded in the controllers. And I played SSX3. And I was just like, oh my god, this is so much more comfortable. <laughs> so, uh, well, okay. question eight. What was the name of the first game that Rare developed exclusively for an Xbox platform? Oosh. I feel like this is going to be a trick question. Because I think I know what it is. But it's... I feel like it's too obvious. Question 8. What was the name of the game that Rare de- Exclusive, what was the name of the first game that Rare developed exclusively for the Xbox platform? Okay, uh, question nine. There were 23 games that launched alongside the Xbox One in the UK. Can you name two of them? Yes. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Xbox One. Please do so. Uh, yes. Hmm. They had those stupid silver covers, didn't they? Oh, the day one editions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you've if you've met if you've spent like quite a long time creating a really good cover art, and then they just stick a silver fucking foil over it, and you're like, oh, cheers, Ant. 
if you buy an Xbox okay. One on day one, you're special. Yeah. I remember being offered a brand spanking new day one Xbox One, like nine months after it came out. £200 for day one Xbox. Cool. Wow. So, I don't think they're even, they're even worth anything, are they, no? They're not special, because they come with Connect, and nobody wants that. Um, People still want Connect. Uh, we'll talk about this in a minute. Okay, question 10. What was the name of the web camera peripheral that the Xbox 360 had that was the predecessor to the Connect? Oh, oh son ah. of a bitch. Because I had that, one. It was a tiny I, little thing. Wasn't yeah, it? a little grey jobby. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I had one, because I face mapped myself into Rainbow Six. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question 10. What was the name of the web camera peripheral for the Xbox 360 that was the predecessor to the Kinect? And just, you know what? Just in case you both get the same amount of answers right, I have done a tiebreaker. Ooh. So get ready to answer this, okay? So the tiebreak correct question is Ray Cox, known in the gaming world as Stallion83, holds the record for the most Xbox achievement points ever ever earned. To the nearest thousand, how many does he have? A lot. He has a lot. Okay. <laughs> Silence. Yeah. Mm, I don't know about this one. He's in the Guinness World Records for passing one particular milestone, and he did it earlier this year. Got a girlfriend. Do you know? Like, I know that's a very, very uh, outdated joke to make now, but. <laughs> um, or in the interests of, you know, you know, equality, got a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got a job, maybe? Um... <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. do, do you know what, right? This was a big story um, not too long ago when. He got married, went on his honeymoon, and was overtaken as the highest achievement points, um, like leader, while he was on his honeymoon. So like the guy has actually got a life and, and like a job and everything. But yeah, um, it was a, it was a new story about two years ago that he was like overtaken because he got on his honeymoon, and people were like, "Well, then why did he get married then? Why isn't he doing his important work of <laughs> <laughs> unlocking the I... thousand G on on King?" Kong or whatever. I used to be all about the achievements and I dedicated a lot of time to it and I think at one point I just sort of sat back and went, I don't even care anymore. Like, uh, what am I doing this for? Like, virtual dick waving points. Like, oh, I've got a bigger gamer score than you. I just, nah. Do you, do you know what? I, I pissed off a lot of people when I tweeted, um, have you even earned that platinum trophy if you don't tell everyone about it? And people got really shitty, like, yeah, well, you know, that's all it is, dick waving. And 
I, I still occasionally get really sucked into it, but it's a, a happy time trying to kick. Me and you both, buddy. Who cares? I do. Secretly. As long as I haven't got <laughs> uh, a 3 or a 1 on the end of my gamer score, I'm happy. Why a 3 or a 1? You know, like, like when you get those stupid 3-point achievements. No. <laughs> uh, I know you were trophies, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you get some games that like they, they pair them up, so one's like a three point, and another one will be like two points. Um, there was one on the orange box where you get three points for, fun enough, scoring a basket shot when you're playing with oh, dogs. Nice. But then you do get a two point trophy that, uh, achievement that balances it out. That's all right because it rounds up to a five or a zero. But I know DJ Hero Two has some like thirteen point achievements and Yikes. two point achievements and six point achievements. But the criteria to match them up for the other sort of corresponding score is bananas. <laughs> so yeah, I haven't put myself through that stress or the RSI of playing um DJ Hero again. Fair enough. Hmm. It's still a massive thing though, especially in the Xbox community. I mean, Sea of Thieves, the anniversary edition that just came out, just added another thousand Gs to the game. Yeah. You know, if you've already got a thousand, well, okay, there you go. Here's another a thousand. Go for it. Yeah, you know, there must still be a, a a real community of achievement hunters out there. There is. It's it's an amazing little thing that's kind of taken over gaming when people are like, "I won't buy a Switch because it doesn't have achievements." What? <laughs> At okay. the moment, uh, they won't ever do that. Well, you know, Xbox Live is coming to Switch. Oh, so God! Soon imagine. enough, you're gonna you're gonna be able to get Xbox Live achievements while playing Cuphead. Yeah, but you won't be able to get them while playing Zelda or Mario. I hope to Christ not. Imagine <laughs> if you get Xbox Live points for getting for playing Zelda. Oh, oh man. That, that would finally be a reason to go around and get all the freaking seeds. <laughs> <laughs> get all the curry seeds. Oh, God. Nah, I'm good. 30 G's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's crack on with uh, some news. And the first one is quite a big one, where we have Microsoft and Sony joining forces for gaming and cloud services. I'm going to read from the guys over at GameSpot, Mr. Steve Watts, who says, Microsoft and Sony, the companies behind Xbox One and PS4 respectively, revealed this week that they have established a strategic partnership. The two companies plan on sharing technology and information going forward and build upon shared infrastructures for some of their future initiatives. Nowhere in the announcement are Xbox or PlayStation named, but it's wording implies Microsoft and Sony's partnership will specifically focus on consumer entertainment platforms like gaming. Sony president Kenshiro Yoshida says PlayStation itself came about through the integration of creativity and technology. Our mission is to seamlessly evolve this platform as one that continues to deliver the best and most immersive entertainment experiences, together with a cloud environment that ensures the best possible experience. So... There's more to it you can read there. I'm not going to go all the way through it. It's a long old article. What does this mean? Is Sony right to partner with Microsoft? Is Microsoft right to partner with Sony? Are we going to see a future where they're competing against the likes of Google Stadia moving forward? Uh, Mr. Sean Davies, what do you reckon? Um, it's an interesting one, this one is, because I heard a rumor from a little birdie a few weeks ago that Sony were surprised by how well a lot of these streaming solutions like Google Stadia and um, the xCloud and Amazon's version 
how they were being received because Sony didn't really have any plans to go beyond what they are currently offering with PlayStation Now. But people seem to be quite receptive to this whole streaming future and, you know, they were looking for someone to partner with because Sony really don't have the capabilities to do this streaming thing at all. They, you know, they bought, um, was it Gaikai over a decade ago now? <laughs> Gaikai. 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 Not, not, not Gaikai. Yeah, you know, tomatoes, that's a, tomatoes. That, that's a very um, different website. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Gaikai. Um, so, yeah, they, they bought them and they've utilized everything that they could out of Gaikai to leverage PlayStation now. But they don't have the server masses that Microsoft, that Amazon that um, Google do, you know, the Azure server farm that um, Microsoft has built up and they've spent a significant amount of money on getting these servers um, up and running are being underutilized by my Microsoft and they are currently trying to get people involved. So Sony were looking for a partner. Microsoft are obviously looking for somebody to, to make use of the Azure server farms. And it kind of makes sense that, you know, Sony take Microsoft's um, extra capacity for their own streaming needs. Whether that means that um, we'll ever see a partnership like Sony games popping up on an Xbox streaming platform or vice versa, I don't know. I very much doubt it, but this is more likely to be um, a capacity of servers that Sony are allowed to use and to utilize and in return, Microsoft get to use some of the Sony tech that they have patented, like the uh, lenses, which increase um, transfer rates and bit rates and things like that. So, you know, it's a, it's a two-way street, but I think Sony are getting quite a good deal out of this. But it does mean that Microsoft are kind of their landlord within the whole streaming situation, which is another situation to go into, I think. Um, but until we know more, it's, it's really kind of guesswork about what will come of this. But it's it's nice to see them playing ball and all those peasants out there going, oh, Xbox is the best, PlayStation is the best. You know, they can just do one. Thanks. Fair. Do you think um, Do you think uh, they they have been a little bit alarmed by uh, the announcement of Google Stadia? Do you think they're, they're better together in order to keep people on consoles? Um, I, I honestly think that Sony, because they don't really have a horse in the streaming race apart from PlayStation Now, and what what you what what you've got to understand is PlayStation Now is is even despite the fact that they've got so many competitors, is the biggest gaming streaming service. Even though it's not as good as all of the rest of them, to be honest, it is still the most popular by quite a margin. It's like fifty percent of the market of streaming services are PlayStation Now, and that includes um, Xbox uh, Xbox's efforts and. They, they had no real plans to really go beyond that. But obviously, Google Stadia, they, they could have teamed with Google Stadia to have Google Stadia on, on the PlayStation 4. Well, it's PlayStation 5 or PlayStation 4. But what it sounds like is they are they are planning to do their own streaming, you know, game, game streaming service themselves, but don't want to invest heavily in building server farms, probably because they don't have the financial leeway to do so given the fact that streaming is still 
quite an unknown quantity. People don't really know if this is going to take off or not. Microsoft have already bet the farm on it, but they have um, other irons in the fire. Like they they sell um, Azure servers to businesses and to um, manufacturers that need flash processing. So you know it's not something Sony could easily come into and compete with Microsoft for. So it makes sense for them to do this. But I don't think they're scared by Stadia. I think it's just the fact that it just makes sense not to go out and invest heavily in server farms when there's some that are already existing and Microsoft aren't really um, kind of trying to compete in that area, whereas Sony are only just coming into it. So it makes sense for them for them to partner up and to benefit both ways, I guess. To get something out of it to make sure that they can offer something when Google Stadia does come. The future is very interesting. Um, Greg, I know you're not much of a, uh, a cloud streaming gaming person, but do you have uh, do you have any thoughts on this? No. All right. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> call me very sort of black and white, but if it doesn't interest me, I don't really read up on it. Um, I'm sure it will inevitably take over the way of gaming and physical sales of discs. You know, will be waysided in favor of cloud-based gaming and stuff. But uh, look what happened to Crackdown 3 with its promise of cloud-based open world destruction, which sort of fell flat. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. Uh, well, I'm not really on the fence. I'm not really optimistic about it. I'm indifferent until proven otherwise. Yeah. The See, power of the cloud, was it 2013? Do you think that was still a bit too early to be talking about cloud computing? Do you think Microsoft jumped the gun a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, sorry, go on, Sean. Yeah, they, Microsoft promised something they had no no idea would work. You know, they, they promised a fully destructible city within a game where you could play multiplayer and you'd see an explosion from one player and it'd destroy a building and the bits would fall towards you and stuff like that. None of that was, was possible. That was a pipe dream. And, you know, they, they said it was possible because theoretically it is, but it's not <laughs> in, in logistical <laughs> terms. Yeah. You know, it's... They they promised something and then said, okay, we've now promised a game. Let's go out and find a developer who can develop, deliver it. They went through, what, four developers for Crackdown? Eventually, Sumo delivered something which was, you know, fair enough, nowhere near what the promise was, but at least they got it out the door. Yeah, it was too too soon. They they Microsoft really ballsed up Crackdown. They should have just done a Crackdown game without having to try and shove their power of the cloud in for years and years and years mm. do you think why do you think that's why we didn't see it until six years later was because yeah. they had the idea of the power of the cloud it turns out it didn't really work so they had to develop the game from from scratch essentially i don't think they had to develop it from scratch i think they just had to go through so many different iterations of trying to get what microsoft promised into this game and that's why you know we got to a point where people were like just fucking release it we like we don't care if it's got the power of the cloud anymore and it, that was that was what came out. You had a, a multiplayer um, mode which had some power of the cloud, but not enough. And you had a single player which didn't use it at all. And you know they they, they basically sumo. You know people people really rail against sumo because Crackdown didn't turn out to be the the best fucking game of all time. But sumo, you've got to commend them for doing what they did with what they had, which was you know. A fucking game that they promised and became a logistical nightmare for them. Perhaps the sumo, yeah. But I, it could have I, been worse. <laughs> I assume is what is what uh, Microsoft fans would say. 
right? I think we're, I think we're used to it now. Everything that's been bar sort of Forza Horizon Four, everything else that's been exclusive, uh, especially on Game Pass, has been shite. Uh, don't sort of I don't want people going. Oh, actually, it wasn't because it's purely down to subjective opinion. But Sea of Thieves was shite. State of the K Two was shite. Uh, Crackdown Three was middling. And yeah, Horizon Four really is probably the only worthy exclusive I played recently. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. For sure. Do you, are you excited for Xbox exclusives? Are you excited for Gears 5 and Halo Infinite, whatever that may be? No, because I haven't played... Oh, God, I saw my pool tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I played Gears 4 uh, because it's on Game Pass, and I think I went, yeah, it's more of the same. I didn't finish it. Uh, I haven't touched a Halo since... 4? I didn't even play much of that. I... I don't know. I think I think with a lot of these things, when you're on like the fourth and fifth title of something, I kind of get serious fatigue, and maybe just because I'm the jaded cynic that I am, I just thought oh, I'm not interested. No, um, you. Yeah, I know. Ah. I'm always so rosy cheeked and lovable. Um, yeah, I, I I haven't touched a Halo in ages. I mean, if they if they do make them exclusive to Game Pass, then I can jump in and give it a go. But I won't be going out of my way to uh, to buy them. And that sounds like a lot of me expecting them that every exclusive should be on Game Pass, but. If they're on there, then yeah. But if not, then no. I don't even use my Xbox that much at the moment. I'm excited for Halo Infinite, cause, probably because I just don't really know what it is yet. And I'm, I'm curious to see what 343 do with it. Halo 4 wasn't great. Halo 5 definitely wasn't great. Well, the 343 era hasn't been particularly strong, I would say. No. Nope. I played Halo 5. Um, as soon as I got my Xbox and got Game Pass, the first thing I did was play Halo 5 because I'd missed out on it for a few years. And I'm a massive Halo fan, so I thought I'm going to jump in. And I, I beat the campaign in like five hours. And it was just a real disappointment. And I hope that, you know, the best thing, the best Halo thing on Xbox is the Master Chief Collection, which is a real shame because Halo 4 and Halo 5, I know Halo 4 was on 360 as well, but they really should be better than what they are because, you know, Halo is a flagship franchise for, for Xbox. And you've got to hope that whatever they do next is going to live up to that standard. Did you, did you hear the, um, the, I'm going to. I'm not going to say rumor. It was like an, an interview with somebody who was supposedly an insider, who, who said that they're not showing off Halo Infinite yet because they don't want to stop anyone buying any current gen hardware because it's so good, it's photorealistic and it looks phenomenal, and they don't want people to hold off on buying an Xbox One, and that's the reason why they're not showing Halo Infinite yet. It sounded like utter pure bullshit and do, like do we even know what kind of genre it is yet Halo Infinite? Uh, no we had that we had that E3 trailer last year and that's it so far so like it could be an MMO it could be yeah it, it could be it could Royale be I mean who the hell knows yeah <laughs> so it, could, it could be another uh, it could be another Halo Wars I'd, I'd take another Halo Wars I quite like the Halo Wars games they're the only ones I play because they're on PC another thing Greg loves more than anything is Minecraft, ladies and gentlemen. And so, we're going to have a nice chat about Minecraft now, Greg. Are you ready? Well, you guys can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a Minecraft Pokemon Go-esque game coming out called Minecraft Earth for iPhone and Android. We don't talk about mobile games a lot here at Finger Guns, but it's Minecraft, so yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer reports that Microsoft has revealed its Pokemon Go S take on Minecraft. It's named Minecraft Earth and will launch in beta sometime this summer for iPhone and Android. 
The AR-based smartphone game will allow multiple people to build structures using Minecraft blocks and place them permanently in the world. You can also venture out and track down adventures, quick scenarios where you interact with Minecraft creatures or enemies or with friends. And to do any of that, just as in Minecraft survival mode, you'll first need to find resources. In Minecraft Earth, these are required by clicking on tappables from the map around you. Building works for placing blocks on a base, plate, or any flat surface similar to that of the Minecraft HoloLens uh, tech demo from 2015. These can then be dropped into the real world and is then viewable by everyone. It would have been interesting to see how Microsoft policies this one. That's a fair... That's a fair... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't... That was a real yawn, sorry. Wow. <laughs> I realized as I did it, I was actually a real yawn. <laughs> yeah, sorry. All right. I would have had to edit that whole thing. You son of a bitch. Anyway, I'm going to put this out there. This is a massive, massive game. Minecraft AR is going to be absolutely fucking huge. Uh, Sean Davies, is your um, a household of, of five children? I can imagine this is going to be quite exciting. Um, yes, it's exciting for them. I am terrified. How so? I'm terrified because there is probably going to be some kind of money involved. I can't, it, like, you know, you see these AR games and they, they have some kind of monetization. You know, Pokemon Go did and the Jurassic World hidden beast one dead you know the, they, they have some kind of monetization and i don't know how they're going to monetize it so if like if you had to pay 99p and find you know 20 blocks so you could build together if that's the case i'm going to be fucking skint i am going to be so broke because <laughs> like my 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 nine-year-old has a an iphone and he loves minecraft even though he won't, he won't admit that to his friends because all his friends hate Minecraft. Um, so I'm sorry, Logan, if you are listening to this and telling everyone that you actually really love Minecraft. No, 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 no. Yeah, it, all, all the kids in my house like Minecraft. So if this this game takes off, but like I don't understand the monetization yet. I don't know what the monetization model is going to be. There's no details about that, but the concept sounds really great. Um, so. I'm hoping that the game is terrible and none of my kids want to play it so that I don't have to pay for it. Well, yeah, that's not going to happen. We'll, we'll see. I, I just <laughs> think, like, I, I can't wait. This game is perfect because it is going to blow the Daily Mail up. The Daily Mail is going to have a field day with this game because it's going to be like um, the first day there's going to be a penis built inside a church. You can fucking <laughs> guarantee it. Absolutely guarantee that there's gonna, you know, and and like they're gonna, they're gonna build like, uh, freaking big pink fairies over the top of KKK, like structures. It's gonna be amazing <laughs> what people are gonna build in this, um, and there's gonna be giant penises everywhere. You know it for sure, you know, and it's gonna be great to walk around in like a field of dicks. It's. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, though. Like, how are they going to start people? Just like, yep, going to build a dick here, going to build a dick there. You know, there's a pair of tits, like, on on top of Mount Rushmore. I'm giving them all breasts. <laughs> like, that's the future, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. I mean, that's 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 the thing about this. I mean, I think the coolest thing about it is that these things just stay there. You know, wherever you build, anywhere you go, you're going to see something that's been built by someone using Minecraft Earth. And that is cool. And that means... Yeah, day one. I mean, day one, that's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
there's, there's, there's no way that the Daily Mail doesn't go nuts. Like, we're going to have, like, um, churches suing Microsoft because <laughs> their, their church is now full of virtual swash stickers and stickers. It's going to be, like, so bad. But, you know, let's, let's see what Microsoft do because, like, they currently don't block people building dicks in Minecraft. So why would they... Why they group? Ah. <sighs> Uh, now, now, I'm, now I'm really excited about it. <laughs> now Greg's suddenly really excited about it. Feel the dicks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I will just, I will just be a casual observer on the uh, events that unfold. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you'll see a new Sean weekly article. <laughs> shit I found in Minecraft Earth this week. Literal shits, just giant brown <laughs> shit. <laughs> Made of mud everywhere. Oh my god. Well, that's Minecraft Earth, folks. <laughs> Coming to your kids' mobile phones this summer. It's an exciting time to be alive. I can't wait to see what happens with this thing. Uh, right, let's move on then to the Epic Games Store sale. We're going to uh, PC right now. And um, I mentioned this on Twitter a few days ago. I got the press release about the Epic Games Store sale. And um, I wasn't really too sure about it until I opened it up. And it's absolutely insane epic are essentially knocking 10 pounds off every game which is currently 14.99 and over so you can jump in there now you can get yourself um up cupping games like after party games like john wick hex um i got them both for a tenner which is crazy of course people have kicked off about it which is amazing considering that the developers and publishers lose no money in this sale whatsoever thanks to the way that epic build their monetization in the epic game store um, the guy who we refer to on this podcast as uh, Dim Burling uh, made a, a cracking video about how games are becoming terrifying and taking over the world and stuff. And he's managed to find an issue with the Epic Games Store sale, which benefits absolutely everyone involved. And it's bizarre to me. But the Epic Games Store sale is currently on now. There are some absolutely top quality games on there that are worth picking up if you're not a dick. And you hate the Epic Game Store for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Uh, Sean, have you had a look at the Epic Game Store sale? Is there anything on there that you've picked up? I have. I haven't picked anything up yet. I, I probably will before it finishes. Um, but I think one of the most interesting things about the sale is those people that have kind of retracted their games post the sale going live. Have you have you heard about this? Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Hades, wasn't it? And uh, the Vampire game yeah, as well. Yeah. Yes, that's one. And there is there was another one as well which has been pulled. And there was a price change as well where a game became more expensive because they kind of misunderstood the sale price. Epic really need to be careful with these sales, and especially with their PR, um, because I, I don't know if you. So the reason that um, the Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines Two was pulled was because of the extra ten pound that Epic were knocking off. Because it took the price down to a like a price you'd expect the game to be two years after release. Like it took off a full like fifteen pounds from the release the re- release price, and mm-hmm. it is a long way away from release. And the problem with gamers is they don't really read the T's and C's. So they, a lot of gamers didn't know the fact that actually um, this was Epic doing something for them rather than a developer knocking off all of the price of the game. So people will start, like, you know, if you if you go on Twitter and have a look around, there's people that were like, why is this game suddenly so cheap? And it's, yeah, Epic have knocked 10 quid off a sale price. 
and they were giving you like five pounds discount for pre-ordering epic then decided to make that 15 pounds and suddenly the game starts to lose value because for some fucking weird reason gamers seem to think that games that cost more money are better which is like you know the weird thing with like indie game price and things that you can't price a game over a certain amount because people just don't buy it but unless you charge a high amount people still don't buy the game so there's that like weird kind of um a void between a low price and a high price that people just don't buy games and that puts the the vampire masquerade game into that void and people started to complain and i understand why and i understand paradox's kind of reason for pulling the game it's it's a bit shit that epic did this and the, the way that they did it i'll be honest uh, especially after they called now paradox they called them greedy um so the PR the PR guy came out on Twitter and said, Paradox are greedy for pulling their game. No, they're not. They just want to protect the price point of the game. They, they don't pick a fucking price out of thin air because Epic then applied an extra £10 to, the, to that, that price. It doesn't mean that the Paradox would lose any money from those sales, but it does mean that everyone else in the world is like, why the fuck is this game so cheap all of a sudden? So it's, they really need to be fucking careful with these, these sales. I, I totally, it's one of the best consumer-friendly sales I have ever seen. But from a developer and a publisher standpoint, Epic are just doing crazy, crazy things. Like, like knocking £10 off a game that's still like four months away from release. That's bonkers. And they're doing it off their own bat. You know, it's, they are really crazy right now. They are too, too rich. And <laughs> too rich. They are too rich. Like, how, how do they, like, if, if you work out the, the free games that they give away every week, or is it every fortnight? Every um, two weeks, yeah. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be every week from uh, at some point in, in, the, in the future. That was on the uh, press release as well. So they, they, have, they give away a game every week or fortnight, so it's going to be a week. Um, and people are like, oh, this is just like a lost leader. Um, but if you work out how much money Fortnite is currently making and you divide that by how much it probably costs Epic to pay these developers, they could do that forever and not see a, a dent in their profits. Because yeah, it's pretty much. To, and it is it, like people are like, what, what is going They are just like giving away game. Like they gave away Edith Finch. Like, what the fuck? This is Edith Finch. Like it was game of the year last year for a lot mm. of people. Just give it away, and they're giving away all these great games that like. And well, I mean, not... yeah, Edith Finch is currently on PS Plus as well. Yes, but you, you pay for like PlayStation Plus. You literally have to sign up to the Epic Game Store, and you can get Edith Finch, or you could have got Edith Finch when it was available. But it's like they are they are move they are doing very customer centric things, but they're doing them in such a crazy way, like such an unusually like this doesn't make sense. Why am I getting a free lunch kind of way? The people just don't trust them anymore, which is like weird that I've come around on this. Like, I don't understand how how they're just like, like pissing money away on the Epic Game Store. Like, it just doesn't make any sense, like business sense. Like, how are they doing this? Why are they doing this? <sighs> Do you think it is strange? I mean, to your point about um, the value of games and how they're perceived by the consumer. I mean, there's that idea that it's very obviously in a sale. 
you know, it's 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 very clear what the original price is and what the current sale price is. And when it goes back to its original price, do you think there's going to be consumers that feel like they're getting ripped off because it's now back to its original price? Yeah, and that's that's the problem with with the PC market currently is the fact that people don't buy games unless they're on sale, and there are a lot of websites that track the lowest price that a game has ever been at sale, on sale for PC. So, you know, it used to be like Steam Spy and things like that, where you'd basically be able to go onto those websites and go, okay, well, it was on sale for $1.99 two months ago, and we are a month away from the Steam sale, the Steam summer sale. I'm not going to bother buying the game because I know it's going to be at least $1.99 or lower in the next sale. So PC gamers are really savvy like that, and this is why them chucking an extra tenner on top of the price reduction. And yes, it definitely looks like it's in a sale, but also it makes, it devalues the price of the original game by by decreasing it by so much before release. It's like saying pricing like PC games in particular is really important to make sure that you hit your profit margins. And Epic are like just kind of going crazy with that. I mean, John Wick, the John Wick Hex for five pounds. When it's twenty pounds, it's twenty pounds at release centers. Yeah, like people are getting it for five pounds now. The publishers there don't seem to mind. You know, Mike Bithell's come out and said, "Yeah, cool, this is great. Um, you can get the game. It's no skin off my nose. We're still getting paid the amount." But like, are other people going to be like, "Hey, Mike Bithell, why can I not buy my John Wick Hex for less than five pound on my PlayStation Four? Like." Because now I look at it and go, uh, I could have bought this game for £5. I'd just probably wait until I get it for £5. But then isn't that the consumer's fault rather than Epic's? Um, yeah, it is. Like, it is the consumer's fault for not picking it up in the amazing sale. But similarly... No, I mean, not, 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 like, not, um, not picking it up, but having the kind of wherewithal to know that that was a sale price and not its actual RRP. It doesn't, doesn't matter if it was its RRP or, or a sale. That is how much people have paid to get it. As you know, the concept of the price is now the fact that somebody somewhere got this for five pounds. That much, that was how much it was worth, regardless if it was on sale or not. You know, the, it's like when you get, you know, when you buy a game for two pound on PlayStation Four, and you go, "Hey, I got like twenty pounds worth of enjoyment out of this game," but it originally released at twenty pounds. So when you get it to twenty pounds at release, you're like, "Yeah, that's fair," but if you pay more for that, you're like, "Oh fuck, I bit ripped off." Like Paul said about Adam last week, you know, it's it's about the value and price of something, and Epic are, need to be careful what they're doing with these sales because it's messing with a very uh, tried and tested price point. I, I could do not blame Paradox for pulling that game at all. I don't know, clear with the consumer about what what the the, the plan is going forward. So there's still yeah. a long way to go. Yeah, so they they just basically need to play ball and understand the conventions that most people are understanding currently and that's a lot of what people are angry at right now so a lot of people a lot of people are angry angry at epic over not having features and things that they will eventually bring but other people are angry because they have 600 steam games with achievements and epic are taking that away from them and they you know they they like achievements they want them to be to be able to get steam achievements and because Epic have paid for money, 
this person now isn't playing that game because they can't get the Steam achievements. And it's it's like there's little things that like start to snowball and them pissing off a publisher because they decided to add £10 to a pre-order price is just one of those things that people will start to pick up on. They probably just need to start start pressing so hard to try and win market share. Fair enough. Uh, Greg, you got any thoughts on this? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't do PC gaming, so it's completely lost on me. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Sorry, let's I, feel like, I feel like I'm not being much of a group participant this week, but uh, okay. yeah, no, I, I don't have much of an issue, uh, uh, an opinion on PC gaming. If I had the money, I would, but uh, yeah, no. If, if we had shiny PCs, we'd all be on there. But yes. Yeah, 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 I'll tell you what, I'll take this over to you then. The next one, our final topic of the week Robert Pattinson's Batman. Yeah. Um, has it been officially cast yet? Or is it still in runnings with Nicholas Holt? It would appear that I it seems like... there's, been an, there's been an official confirmation, but there's, I mean, most of the film sites that I follow and the news that I'm trying to get this from, they all seem pretty convinced that it's going Pattinson's way. Yeah, I mean, it does seem that everyone, well, every comment online has been, uh, Robert Pattinson, not uh, Robert Pattinson and or Nicholas Holt. Like Nicholas Holt seems to be pushed to the wayside. <laughs> Poor Nicholas Holt. Yeah, but then he's had his run of superhero films, hasn't he? So I think he's I think he's too baby faced to be Bruce Wayne, though. Yeah, they appear to be going for a kind of a younger Bruce Wayne in this one. Yeah, or possibly sort of Batman Beyond. You know, like the because people are saying online saying, oh, "Well, Robert Pattinson's too skinny." Uh, <laughs> but I, I know it's a weird complaint, isn't it? But but then people are sort of pitching for maybe more tech over bulk, like Batman Beyond. Hmm, that's interesting. Who would you uh, have? Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Pattinson or Holt? Probably Pattinson, I think. Yeah, I think Holt not, as well. Not as, I, I not, as a less, not as a lesser of two evils, but um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, it's in the hands of the people that want to cast him, isn't it? So, I mean, they, they you look at throughout the time, Michael Keaton, no, he never be Batman. Uh, Heath Ledger, oh, he's going to make a terrible Joker. Yeah. Jared Leto, he's going to be a terrible Joker. And he is. We, we were right on that one. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. He had like five minutes of screen time in Suicide Squad. It's not yeah, fair. and they were all shite. As, a, as an average screen time to uh, shit performance, I think he nailed about 100% of that. I am kind of... I had a friend text me who earlier on who just said, oh, what the hell, real person is Batman? No way. And I was like, all right. We'll we'll see what happens when it happens. You know, the studio heads aren't going to care about the opinions of two people from Somerset. They're going to go with it because they have something they see in this person. Mm. So yeah, I mean, cautiously optimistic. But then I, I've fallen by the wayside with a lot of superhero films recently. Anyway, again, like I said about gaming, it's just that sort of sequel fatigue thing. Obviously, I've watched the big Avengers and stuff like that, but I haven't watched a lot of the spin-off films. I haven't watched any of the DC. Batman films, uh, the Superman films, like Man of Steel and one that came after it. What was it called? Batman v Superman. Yep. Um, I reluctantly sat through a fair bit of Suicide Squad. I haven't seen Wonder Woman. So I'm not really sort of a, a big enough authority on superhero films and castings. But I don't know. I'm optimistic. I mean, it's the future. You know, it's 2019. What, could, what else is going to surprise us this year? Yeah, I mean... I'll admit, you know, it was it was a well, that's that's Pattinson, that's that that's interesting. But then I remembered, 
you know, ever since those fucking Twilight movies, I mean, he's been just like this art house nymph that's made these really, really dark, strained films. And I remember seeing a couple of them. I saw High Life, which was fantastic. Uh, but there's a really great one, like The Lost City of Z as well as a great movie. And then there's a film called Good Time, where he kind of robs a bank and kind of goes on the run after it all goes a bit wrong. And it's absolutely superb. It's brilliant. And his performance in it is just stellar. And so, you know, I think a lot of the um, the, the vitriol that's, that's come his way because of his announcement, which was going to happen regardless of whoever it was, is because of his kind of like part in, in Twilight. And that's, yeah, it's, it seems unfair because it was a long time ago. And, you know, he's done a very Daniel Radcliffe sort of thing where he spent his kind of like post franchise career making these really odd little movies. You know, he's still very much a great actor, regardless of what you think of his kind of like previous work. And so, yeah, exactly. What was the, the, the Chuck Palahniuk film that he did? Oh man, I don't know. Yeah. I want, I I want to find it. Really, it's got a really obvious title. Um, the, the, picture is him sat in a limo um i have seen the film and i've completely lost every bit of knowledge of it it's a it's a, it's a chuck palmer book film that's as much as i can remember and i just draw a complete blank yeah i mean it's 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 a, it must be a horrible double-edged sword same with like that like say daniel radcliffe as well you know you get swept up into something so globally huge and you have a whale of a time and you make lots of money off it but then you just become known as the Harry Potter kid, the Twilight kid, and they're doing their best. Like Harry Potter's, uh, who called him Harry Potter? <laughs> Jesus, uh, Daniel Radcliffe's, you know, gone on to do like Equus, um, Swiss Army Man. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen Swiss Army Man, I h- highly recommend it because it's just so absurd. He plays a farting corpse. Robert, like I said, Robert Pattinson's never going to shake that because of the fans that made him that popular. So maybe the Batman thing would be a good career break, or like. M- other castings in films, it'll just go down like a big tire fire. Yay! That's something to look forward to, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we all love a bit of Schadenfreude, so if it's great, ray. If it's shit, ray. <laughs> Either way, we're getting a new Batman film. Which is yeah, exactly. Like been, I feel like it's been talked about forever. Affleck was going to direct this one and write this one, and that didn't work out, and now he's gone. And, I don't know, I feel like this film's already in trouble. But we'll see. Whatever. What do I know? I don't know. Sean, have you got any, uh, have you got any horse in this particular race? Um, I just kind of hope that if he is going to be cast, that he's Terry McGinnis and he's not Bruce Wayne. I hope he's Batman Beyond, and I really hope that they actually get um, Val Kilmer back, <laughs> or one of the old Batman actors to back <laughs> and to play Bruce Wayne as his mentor. Probably not Val Kilmer. Um, George Clooney, yeah, get George Clooney back. Yeah, in. get Clooney back. He didn't have enough of a shot, did he? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, Pat, Pat, I I, uh, I superimposed a Batman cowl over Pattinson's face, and he has got a Batman jawline. So well, that's what you really need. Yeah, yeah, you know that. You know, as long as he doesn't do, you know, where are the drugs? He'll be fine. <laughs> you know, he, as long as he doesn't stumble into that that pitfall, he'll be fine. Yeah, he, he's he's a good actor. He's young. You know, I say he's young. He's thirty fucking three. Um, <laughs> And he, <laughs> and he, and he hates um, Twilight as much as everybody else does. I don't know if you've ever heard of the uh, the um, commentary that he did on one of the films, but it is like so bitter, it's so twisted. Like he's he's narrating one of the scenes between Bella and what's his face, the Warlock boy, and she's like, "Don't go, Jake. 
and uh, Parkinson's like, just go, Jake, just go. And <laughs> then, then Jake's like, uh, just give me one reason to stay. And Parkinson goes, there isn't anybody. Just go. Just, 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 just go. And you can tell that he's so, so fed up at this point that he, he just hates Twilight as much as anybody else. I remember seeing him in a uh, in an interview. He might have been on an American um, late night show, and he was saying like, "Edward's like 150 years old. Why is he hanging around high schools?" You know, <laughs> that whole time he's like, he's always had a major issue with uh, with with the character. So you know, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I just love the fact that there's loads of nerds out there that are like, "I don't want Edward in my Batman," and you're like, "Trust me." He doesn't want Edward in your Batman either. <laughs> he isn't going to be playing this as glittery Batman. There's not going to be glittery Batman. Although there yeah. was a glittery Batman in the new Lego movie, so maybe. maybe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe he's playing that Batman. Maybe we've got it all wrong. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I'm, I'm happy either way. Yeah, I don't mind. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic. Like when Joaquin Phoenix was announced as a Joker, I was like, that's going to be awesome. So hopefully it kind of they they can blend in some way because I think a film with those two together would be quite interesting. Yeah, I, I saw a, a tweet that I agreed with 100% that Macaulay Culkin should be cast as the Joker. And I would 100% watch that. Like Macaulay Culkin nowadays, like, and his kind of, I would take that as a Joker. He looks great Yeah, nowadays. I think I would so, as well. That'd be interesting. Do it. If anyone needs a break, it's Macaulay Culkin, ladies and gents. <laughs> Bring him back. Um, okay, we'll jump into the uh, quiz answers now. But first, just very quickly, because I don't think we mentioned it last week, EA Access is coming to PS4 this summer, finally. Sony seems to have uh, finally realised that it's actually worth putting on their system. So, uh, yeah, no more details yet, apart from it's coming to PS4 this summer. So that's exciting. Um, I feel like it's going to be... A kind of a bare bones EA access because I think one of the one of the joys of EA access on PS on sorry on on Xbox is that it has pretty much their entire catalog from the beginning of the Xbox. So there's you know there's classic backwards compatibility stuff and the PS4 may not be able to back that up, but yeah, EA access is is a terrific service and so the more people that are playing it, the better. Yeah, one of the things that struck me about this announcement was that your Xbox subscription won't carry over to the PS4. So if you do have EA access on the Xbox, you'll have to pay for another subscription for the PS4 version. Which is, you know, I guess because they're probably going to be two different services because of the lack of backwards compatibility. Backwards compatibility we'll see. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, was, that was always going to happen, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know. They're two, I mean, they're two different platforms. Yeah, but I mean, I, I pay for one Netflix, but I watch it on literally hundreds of devices. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Ah, well, what are you going to do? It's EA. <laughs> yeah, no, no surprise there, yeah. No. Uh, Greg, do you subscribe to EA Access? I do not, no. I, oh. I don't really have the, the sort of stretch to get any more subscriptions going at the moment. With Gold, Game Pass, PS Plus, and Spotify... It's not yeah, on my list yet, enough. but I mean, I might be tempted seeing what comes on there on PS4. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's it's always been a big miss for the PS4 this generation. So, yeah, as the console's winding down, it's finally there, which is exciting. But I guess that means it'll be there for PS5. 
as I'm. You presume so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right then, let's go to the quiz answers, the Xbox themed quiz from Mr. Sean Davies. Okay, so question one was, who is currently the head of the Xbox division at Microsoft? And Roscoe, you know this, don't you? Mr. Phil Spencer. It is Mr. Phil hey. Spencer. Hey. Big, uh, he's, he's a good egg. Um, question two, what was the very first Xbox Live Arcade game? Greg? Hexic. Oh no! It is a lot earlier than that. What is it? Is it? Is it Bejeweled? No. Ah. Ah. It is Miss Pac-Man. Ah, fucking hell. Yeah. So uh, this was on the original Xbox, and you had to have a disc, which took you through to a digital marketplace, and you could buy a couple of arcade classics. And Miss Pac-Man was the first. Wow. Okay. Question three, uh, which video game character can be found etched onto the circuit board within each and every single Xbox One X? Uh, is that supposed to mean something to me? That was the um, uh, the Halo theme. Oh, right. Then yeah. yes, it would, that would make um, yes, so on the inside of every single um, Xbox One X is Master Chief, and he is riding a scorpion. Sweet. Uh, he's also etched into the inside of all of the Xbox One S's as well, but he's not riding a scorpion. Huh. Is that why it was called Project <laughs> Scorpio? No, they, they had him riding a scorpion because it was called Project Scorpio, rather than the other way around. They didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what yeah. I said. So that's why they named it Project Scorpio because they had him riding a Scorpio within the system. Uh, no, they didn't. They put the Master Chief riding a Scorpion because it was called Project Scorpio. Oh, no. it was the other way around. Yeah. See. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Uh, in 2014, Microsoft bought the rights to Gears of War IP. Who did they buy them from, Greg? Epic. Very good. Um, question five: What was the code name for the Xbox 360 during development? Anybody got a guess? I'm going to guess. No, I, I think I had Scorpio, but it's not because that's the, as you just said, the one. So no. Ross. Xenon. Uh, Very well done. Yeah. Um, okay. Question six: What was the best-selling game on the Xbox 360, including pack-ins or bundled games, just for Greg? Um, Ross, any ideas? Halo Three. No. Greg, have you got any ideas? I put Halo 2. No. You're going to San Andreas again, are you? No. Uh... Uh, the best-selling game on the Xbox 360 was Connected Adventures. You motherfucker. Sold 24 million copies because it was attached to the Connect. But that doesn't count for Wii Sports. Uh, it does click. <laughs> it did. Remember we did this, we Googled it, and it wasn't the same? Yeah, okay. Uh... Ah, right, oh. okay. I know, I know. God, I, they really sell that many connects. They sold 24 million of them. Yeah. Bloody hell. I know, and it, it dwarfs the rest of the like the the rest of the games like nine million, eight million. It really kind of took over. But yeah. Okay. Uh, question seven: The launch controller for the original Xbox console had two nicknames. Name one of them. Um, Ross, I'm going to go to you first. The Duke. Very good. Um, That's what I, I bet. Okay, so the other one was called the Fatty, which is yeah, yeah. what they called me at school. 
<laughs> so anyway, it's yeah, incredibly insensitive. Yes, yes, but it was you know bad. So that's you know <laughs> it was it was a beast of a controller. It was. Um, okay, question eight. What was the name of the first game that Rare developed exclusively for an Xbox platform? Uh, Greg, any ideas? I think Ross, Ross had already answered in the middle of the quiz. I, I think it was. I want to say Grab by the Goonies. You are correct. It was yeah. Grab by the Goonies. I think what I already a... knew that, but I know Ross also mentioned it in the quiz, and I was like, oh, that'd be a weird coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, question nine. Oh, no, because it, it, it was the engraved thing, wasn't it? And Ross yeah, went, it was, oh, it's yeah. not going to be the character. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, um, maybe he's really good at Xbox knowledge. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, question nine. There were 23 games launched alongside the Xbox One in the UK. Name two of them. Roscoe, what have you got? I've got Ryzen, Forza 5. Nice. Um, Ryzen and Forza Motorsport 5, yes. Um, Greg? I also have Rise and I've got Dead Rising 3. Very good. Well, both of you get a point for that. Well done. Yay. Um, so if you're listening at home you could have had Assassin's Creed 4 Battlefield 4, Call of Duty Ghosts Crimson Dragon, Dead Rising 3, FIFA 14 Fighters Within um, Forza Motorsport 5, Just Dance 2014 Killer Instinct, Lego Marvel Super Heroes Loco Cycle, Madden NFL 23, 25 sorry NBA 2K14, NBA Live 14 Need for Speed Rivals, Peggle 2, Power Star Golf Rise, Son of Rome Skylander Swap Force, Watch Dogs, Zook Tycoon, and Zumba Fitness World Party. <gasps> Woo! Jesus. What a shit lineup that was. Sorry. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> it was pretty much the PS4 lineup, wasn't it, without the exclusives? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when you think about it, um, that, wasn't, that wasn't really great, was it? Yeah, it wasn't a great launch window for either console. I still want to play Rise on the Broom. It's not on Game Pass yet. It should be. I mean, I... it really should be. Oh, well. Okay, um, question 10. What was the name of the webcam peripheral uh, for the Xbox 360 that was the predecessor to the Kinect? Greg, you said you had one of these? Oh, yeah, I want to say the Xbox Live Vision. Very good. It was the Yee! Xbox Live Vision camera. Um, yeah, the little ball on the stick thing. Yes. Um, and yes. There, are, there are still two games that are, that are exclusive to Xbox Live Vision that didn't get ported across the Kinect. Um, Is it the so quiz one? There's there's Totem Ball, uh, okay. and uh, you're in the movies. I say you're in the movies. Oh, so. you're in the movies. It was awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it, it really was. tried to be good. What, would, Greg? What was the name of that? I'm, I'm trying to think back to the Game Station Christmas Party, and we played an original Xbox music game, like a karaoke game. Uh, what it was shit. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, SingStar? No, that's. I think it was before SingStar. Uh, was it Xbox Live Music Maker or something? No. Oh, I. You hit no. I I actually can't remember. No, I can't remember no. either. Never mind. Sorry, Sean. Carry on. You're right. Um. So, and that was that was all ten questions. Um. Let's just see if you have to answer the tiebreaker. Um. Roscoe, how many have you got right? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four. Eight. Fuck. Wow. Greg? Seven. Did... Oh. Yes! Okay, just just for fun, how many how many G's do you think Ray Cox um or Stallion eighty three has oh. currently? I've I've rounded up, I've put two mil and 
50,000. Nice. I'm afraid I know the answer. How do you know the answer? Because I follow the game industry. And okay. I know these things. It was one million, wasn't it? No. Yeah, it was. Well, it was last time I fucking looked. Uh, he, he, he crossed two million um, about three months ago. So he now has two million. What? So I, I won the I won the bonus question by an absolute <laughs> spread, but I can't fucking do it because. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah. So he, he now has a little button that says two million G's. Um, can I can I oh, can man. I storm can I storm off the podcast now because I'm tired and angry? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh God, that feels good. Oh, I am inevitable. Um, so yes, thank you very much for playing. If you do play at home, please let us know how you get on. I'm sorry if this 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 quiz was rough because the Xbox One doesn't have any details for me to quiz you on. Um, so cheers. <laughs> I take it you know I I was an Xbox person up until the PS4 era, so I have a lot of stupid Xbox knowledge r- rattling around in my head, thanks to official Xbox magazine that kept me informed on everything. Nice. Uh, right, thank you very much, Sean. Pleasure. We're going to finish off then, as ever, with Out This Week. And Out This Week on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch is Team Sonic Racing, which comes out on the 21st, which is Tuesday. Um, There's a lot of good buzz at this so far. The early reviews have looked very promising. Um, Fingers crossed you'll see our review um, on the site. If not next week, then hopefully early the week after. Um, Everybody's Golf VR is coming on the 22nd on PS4. Yeah, boy. Are you going to be all over that, Sean? I am. I love everybody golf, and um, the demo was very good. So I'm quite looking forward to getting getting involved and destroying my living room with my terrible swings. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Um, also coming from Sega this week is Total War Three Kingdoms uh, coming to PC on the 23rd. If you're into that kind of thing, um, the Switch version of Assassin's Creed Three Remastered is out on Tuesday on the 21st, which looks um, yeah like the original. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I'm not quite sure what's remastered about it. It doesn't look great. But uh, if you've been waiting, it's coming out this week. Good luck to you. Uh, Dollhouse is coming to PS4 on the 24th um, from uh, Soedesco, which looks very interesting. Kind of like Bioshocky uh, yeah, adventure game. Fuck as well. Yeah, um, very scary. Uh, Kidding Floor, the double feature, is coming to PSVR on the 21st as well. Uh, TT Isle of Man, right on the edge, is coming to Switch on the 23rd. And For the King is coming uh, to PS4 and Switch also on the 24th, um, which was a fun PC game that I played uh, earlier, kind of, I want to say mid last year. Uh, played the beta, and that was quite interesting. So, if you're up for it, I believe we have a review for For the King on our website that Jan did a while back. Ah, uh, Jan. Yeah, I remember Jan. I remember Jan. What a great guy. Yeah. Bye, Jan. <laughs> uh, yes, we do. We do have a review up of uh, For the King up on our website by Mr. Jan Sieri. So look out for that over there as well. That does bring an end then to this week's podcast. Don't forget, if you do want to follow us, we are over on Twitter at FNGRGNS on Facebook.com forward slash UK. You can follow us on Twitch on Twitch.tv forward slash FingerGuns.net. If you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime. And you can use that Twitch Prime to subscribe to anyone on Twitch. But if you want to give it to us, that's absolutely fine. It doesn't cost you any extra. 
and it just makes us look a little bit flashier with more subscribers. So that'd be nice if you want to. Thank you very much indeed. We also have a Patreon, of course. This entire podcast is funded by our patrons, so thank you very much indeed if you are one. And don't forget that you can get this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean every single Monday, unless we don't record on a Sunday, in which case you get it on a Tuesday. The other week, so yeah, don't hold us to that. But that's that's how it should be. So that is the end of the podcast. It's goodbye from Mr. Greg Hicks. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Toodles. And a goodbye from me. Until next time, this has been the Finger Guns Podcast. Pew.